hello, fellow planeswalker, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Apologies for the late episode, needed a couple of days to get my stuff together, uh, both in real life and for this episode, between playing uh, Kaladesh Remastered Drafts on Arena. Uh, but here we are. Uh, specifically, I decided that uh, instead of recording the podcast, to just crack open the boxes of Ikoria, Core 21, and Zendikar Rising I've been holding onto for months now, since I need the space uh, for my incoming box of Commander Legends, and I figured there's no way I'm going to be getting any limited play from them anytime soon. So I might as well just to clean things up, uh, which led me to organizing and sorting my magic collection, which is always a, a bit of a challenge and, and a bit of a hassle. Um, but, you know, the the biggest thing, you know, was sorting out the draft chaff from the foils, which I keep, uh, the rares and the alternate arts, which you know there have been a lot of in recent sets um, and various other things I like to hold on for collections um, and then putting everything in their proper pace, which involved making a mess uh, in, in the first place. Um, you know, obviously in tiny New York apartment spaces at a premium, so I just kind of mix everything's in its place. But I'm happy with the salt. You know, looking at it now, everything's kind of neatly organized and, e- and even more easily accessible than it was before. Um, you know, the biggest accomplishment I think is that I got you know two big cardboard boxes, like Amazon-sized boxes, which is about four Sue boxes or so. Not on the actual count of cards, but you know, draft chaff I've been holding on to that I found under my bed also. Going back to Khans of Tarkir, uh, you know, up through the most recent sets. So, you know, I'm looking for a place to donate them, probably, you know, maybe a youth club or, or a school club uh, in the New York City area to donate to um, rather than just, you know, tossing them out. So if anyone knows of any, let me, let me know. Um, excuse me. Um, I also definitely need more binders uh, as I'm running out of space for the various sets of things I'm trying to collect, like the the land ca- the, the the landfall showcase cards from Zendikar Rising, and so on. Anyway, uh, to this episode's topic, Commando Legends is releasing this coming Friday, and if you're like me, you may already have your hands on some cards, actually. I was able to pick up my pre-release kit from my local gaming store, Silent Monastery Comics, and was lucky enough to crack open a foil-etched Ramos Dragon Engine, which looks pretty sweet in person. It's going to be replacing the uh, Ramos Dragon Engine from the pre-con deck that I currently have on my uh, Tarkir Dragon Cycles deck. It's a, it's a weird one. Um, anyway, as usual, this episode is going to be about the cards from Commander Legends that slot into decks I already own, as well as some deck ideas I'm getting the itch to brew. Um, since Commander Legends has a lot of going on, I'm going to limit this to only new cards that have been printed for the first time in Commander Legends. Um, I'm also not going to be looking at any reprints, I'm not going to be looking at any of the foil edge reprints, just brand new cards. All right, so first up, you know, obviously there are, I have a lot of decks, and we'll start off with the decks I'm not adding anything to. Um, these are my Brea Thopter Assembly Workers deck, uh, my Golos Snow Tribal deck, uh, my Kestia Enchantment Creatures deck, uh, my Ramos, as I mentioned, the Ramos uh, Dragon Engine Dragons of Tarkir Cycle deck. Um, not cycling, but cycles of dragons. Uh, Yuriko Ninjas, um, my General Tazri Allies uh, Gates deck, um, and then my God Tribal deck. 
Um, but you know, the boring stuff of stuff I'm not updating aside, let's get to the stuff that do- that are getting updates. Uh, probably the biggest winner from this set is my deck that is the Ad- Admiral Beckett Brass Pirate Tribal Deck. Uh, since pirates fall into the blue-red archetype and limited, there are about 20 new cards being printed that fit the mold. Um, I won't go through all of them, but standouts are, of course, the legendary creatures. Uh, first up, we have the Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro, um, a two and a blue for legendary spirit pirate. Uh, he can't be blocked by creatures with toughness three or greater, and some ir- relatively irrelevant, uh, you know, rules text about returning a card from the graveyard to that was discarded or milled there um, you know, to its owner's hand. Uh, don't really have much of that going on in my deck. It may be, you know, perhaps like some pol- some potential uh, political shenanigans going on in there. Um, but yeah, also as partner, not going to be relevant since I keep plan on keeping Beckett Brass um, as the commander. Um, it's a two three. Um, Again, you know, it doesn't really have much synergy in the deck with that second ability, but it does allow it to be blocked, uh, prevent it from being blocked by big things, which um, Admiral Beckett Brass, her main ability is that at the beginning of the end step, I gain control of a target non-land permanent controlled by a player who has dealt combat damage by three or more pirates. So it's really crucial that I, you know, am able to get uh, my, my pirates attacking in. Um... You know, another pirate who you know not necess- doesn't strictly you know fall uh, have a ton going on uh, is Dargo, the shipwrecker, uh, six in red for a legendary pirate, uh, you know, giant pirate. Um, as an additional cost to cast the spell, I may sacrifice any number of artifacts and or creatures. Um, it costs and then Dargo costs two less to cast for each permanent sacrifice this way, and two less to cast for each other artifact or creature I've sacrificed this turn. So. You know, I think, and it has trampled to 7-5, again, with partner. So I think Dargo actually works out pretty well in that uh, I have a lot of treasures in the deck, so that's going to get him really cheap. That said, he's not actually adding a lot to the board beyond a pretty big uh, creature, which, you know, granted, the trample could help get combat damage through um, for uh, for Beckett Brass's ability to trigger. Uh, but beyond that, you know, just going in the 9-9, uh, mostly because he's legendary. Um, now, you know, Malcolm and Breaches, on the other hand, these are you know two of my favorite characters from the Exelon story. Uh, Malcolm, Keen-Eyed Navigator, is two in the blue for a Siren Pirate with flying, 2-2. Two, two. Uh, whenever one or more pirates I control deal damage to an opponent, uh, to my opponent, I-, I create a treasure token for each opponent dealt damage this way. Um, and then Breaches is three in the red for a Goblin Pirate with Menace, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, whenever one or more pirates I control deal damage to my opponent, uh, I-, I actual the top card of each of those opponents' libraries. I may play those cards this turn and spend mana as though it were any color to cast those cards um, so you know not really the best for uh, webcam play perhaps in this time of COVID but uh, you know Malcolm and Breaches definitely got to include them my only regret is that they don't partner with each other so they can switch each other up in the deck since partner with works differently than partner um, notably though Malcolm actually has a, fi- a semi-infinite combo uh, with um, you know a couple of cards uh, Glint Horn Buccaneer uh, deals one damage to uh, has the ability. Let me pull it up. Uh, it deals, you know, when I, I, the relevant is whenever I discard a card, uh, it deals damage to one, one damage to each opponent, and I can you know, pay one in the red to discard and discard a card to draw a card. Um, and activated only when it's attacking. So you know, if I have three opponents, then what happens is Glinthorn. I discard a card during combat. Um, that causes Malcolm to create. If I have at least two uh, opponents, uh, create two treasures, which I can then you know again uh, pay two red, discard a card, and draw a card again, triggering the effect again. So I could you know pretty much machine gun through my deck uh, to the point where you know I can kill off at least one opponent. 
probably. I'm assuming I don't deck myself. Um, Lightning Rigor, you know, ha does, has a similar effect, um, or Lightning Rigor in Crew, um, where I can tap it to deal one to each opponent, and it untaps for each pirate. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit more limited in by you know being able to recast and, and untap it. Um, but if I'm able to do so, uh, you know, by you know, maybe casting pirates that I've gotten off of the triggers or you know or that I've that I'm able to um, you know with the mana that I'm generating, you know, that can definitely be a way uh, for you know uh, Malcolm to just kind of uh, combo off to some degree. Um, so yeah. Uh, Let's see, what was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, and then, you know, the other legendary pirates, um, there were two blue-red pirates, one at uncommon, one at rare. The uncommon pirate is Captain Vargas Wrath for two and a blue, for blue and a red. Uh, it's an orc pirate, 1-1. One, one. Pretty small, but whenever it attacks, pirates I control gain plus one, plus one until end of turn for each time I've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Obviously, this is meant to either be the commander himself uh, in limited and kind of be continually recast. Given this relatively cheap uh, mana cost, um, you know, to be able to you know be a sizable lord, um, I don't think I'm gonna be recasting Becky Brass too much. But you know, getting at least a plus one plus one in combat is nothing to sneeze at with my pirates, um, and potentially even more. Um, Zara, Renegade Recruiter, is 3 blue and red for a human pirate with flying into 4-3. Whenever the attacks, look at the attending, defending opponent player's hand. I may put a creature card from it onto the battlefield, onto my control, tap and attacking that player or planes or planeswalker they control, and return it to their owner's hand at the beginning of the end step. So basically a stealing sneak attack, basically, from the opponent. Um, just pretty fun shenanigans all around. Again, maybe not the best for COVID play, but uh, definitely looking, you know, whenever we're able to play in person to get this uh, going on again. Uh, you know, there's some other pirates outside of the legendaries that are pretty interesting as well. Um, a number of pirates, Azure Fleet Admiral, Crimson Fleet uh, Commodore, and Emberwild Captain, all grant Monarch, which is, you know, the ability where, you know, uh, it's a kind of a designation if you haven't played with Monarch before, where you're the Monarch at the end of your turn. If you are the Monarch, you essentially draw an extra card. At each of your uh, end steps, uh, of course, being the monarch, you do become the target. As you know, if a player is able to deal combat damage to you, um, which I think this deck would do well if, if you know, the plan is to get sneaky pirates in. Uh, I'm able to you know steal the monarch back if I, it ends up getting lost, um, you know, by via combat damage. Um, that said, I do have another monarch deck I am planning on building that you know, or am in the process of building, tuning, refining, whatever um, that uh, you know I'm building. I don't like to repeat cards between decks. I'm not sure if these pirates will fit in there as much as I do like the monarch mechanic. Um, you know, there are a number of Encore pirates. Encore is a new mechanic that kind of functions. Um, I can essentially exile a card, a creature card in the graveyard to create token copies of it uh, that, you know, are able to attack that turn. Um, and then, you know, they gain, they, they get sacrificed at the end of the turn. So I'm incentivized to attack with them. Um, you know, a lot of pirates have various abilities uh, with, with Encore. Um, I'm not going to go through the full rules tech, but for, for example, Amphin Mutineer um, can turn, can, you know, exile, exile, is essentially removal and turns, uh, polymorphing the opponent's creatures and uh, into, you know, four or three salamanders. Um, Kaisel Skirmisher um, can make other pirates fly, which, you know, is pretty helpful when uh, trying to sneak in damage. Uh, Trove Tracker replaces itself by drawing cards. And, you know, obviously in the late game, its tokens will draw multiple cards. Um, for each one whenever it dies. Um, you know, uh, let's see, uh, Fathom Fleet Swordjack could do well. Um, you know, it basically uh, 
you know, deals damage to player or planeswalker is attacking equal to the number of artifacts I control. If I have, you know, a number of treasures, which my deck tends to focus around, um, that could be a lot of damage. Um, and then, you know, finally, speaking of impulsive pilfer, um, creates treasure tokens whenever it dies. So that's another, another uh, benefit there. Um, there are also some other miscellaneous parts that don't quite fit into a mechanic or or being legendary. Um, Hole Breacher has been talked about to death uh, online. It's uh, two in the blue for a Morphoke Pirate 3-2 with Flash. And if an opponent would draw a card except for the first one in each of their draw steps, instead I'd create a treasure token works well uh with the treasure theme that said it is a bit kind of it is a bit higher power level um and i also am i also do have a uh, a merfolk that this could potentially slot in there i think this one's going to be more medical depending on if your play group ends up having a lot of you know wheel type effects or or multiple card draw effects uh, if you want to be hated out you know because of that um not sure if i if i open one i'll probably slot it in but i'm not going to be looking to add this in uh, specifically um you know, Merchant Raiders is a uh, pretty cool. It's a three in the blue for a human pirate two four. Whenever it or another pirate enters the battlefield on my control, tap one target creature, and it doesn't untap as long as I control Merchant Raiders. So I can semi permanently, as long as Merchant Raiders doesn't get removed, tap down uh, opponent's creatures. Which you know, given the pirates want to get in and attack, um, this is the easy way to get get rid of blockers on a semi permanent basis. Uh, similarly, Coercive Recruiter uh, for 4 in the red, Orc Pirate 4-3. Um, whenever it or another pirate enters the battlefield under my control, I gain control of target creature until end of turn and then tap it and turn it into a pirate. So the flavor here is pretty great, you know, stealing the opponent's creatures and, and kind of impressing them into service. Um, so one, it removes the blocker, but then two, it turns them into pirates to help trigger Admiral Beckett Brass. So Coercive Recruiter for more so a one-time hit, I think, um, you know, in being able to steal creatures, I was able to clear off some blockers, um, some pretty pretty nicely. Um, you know, boarding pirate party, um, you know, is uh, five in the red for a hasty uh, human pirate six three with cascade. So that's the other mechanic from Commander Legends. Uh, I essentially exiling cards off the top of my library whenever it's cast, and then uh, cast and then essentially casting a non land card without paying its mana cost. So you know, I think. All but, you know, a couple of cards in my deck actually are less than 6 CMC. Um, so Boarding Party would fit, sit, slot right in and get like an additional um, additional value out of that. I'm not sure if it, it's powerful enough to make it in there, but it, be, it could be fun to, to test out. Um, and then Port Razor uh, is 3 red and red for an Orc Pirate 4-4. Whenever it deals combat damage to a, a player, untap each creature I control. And after this combat step, there's an additional combat phase and can't attack a player that's already attacked this turn. So this is a nice way to either close out the game. You know, Port Razor, uh, you know, can at the very least, uh, assuming I can, you know, get rid enough uh, blockers out of the way so it can connect, um, can either have my creatures repeatedly kill uh, one opponent, uh, especially with some politicking, can get the other players convinced them to let Port Razor hit them if I can swing at the other player with all of the other all of my other creatures, or I can kind of spread the love and have Admiral Beckett Brass, uh, you know, do the thing. So instead of splitting up my creatures to try to, you know, spread the love around, focus on one creature, on, on one player, and then attack the other player again with Port Razor and attack a third player again uh, with Port Razor. So, you know, a lot, lot of fun stuff here for the pirate deck, and I'm, I'm super excited about 
next up, uh, we have Arabo and Ajani's green and white cats with a bit of a, an equipment sub theme. Um, there are two cats in our colors in this set, uh, both of whom fit in uh, either with the equipment theme or you know a small token sub theme. Uh, Armored Sky Hunter uh, is three in a red, three in a white. Excuse me for a cat knight three three with flying. Uh, whenever it attacks, I look at the top six cards of my library, put an ore or more relevantly an equipment card from among them onto the battlefield, and if it's an equipment attach it to a creature I control. Um, I put the rest of those cards in the bottom of my library in a random order. So you know, this can just, you know, I have a decent number of equipment in the deck. Um, not, a, not a ton, just kind of like really big impactful stuff. So this could help dig for, for some. Um, and then Proverb of the Steel Legion is a legendary cat soldier for two and a white. Um, one four. Um, as long as it's my turn, the creature tokens I control get plus one plus four. And for three and a white, I can create a one one white soldier creature token. Fortunately, not cat soldiers, but it is what it is. Um, interestingly, this is from a plane we haven't been. I think it's from the plane that Lysia, uh, that uh, Mardu vampire who cares about life gain is about, uh, is from as well, a Roman team. So I'm looking forward to eventually visiting the Roman plane, uh, which is supposed to be distinct from Theros, uh, the Grecian plane. Um, anyway, uh, you know, there are a small number of uh, tokens. Um, I think about a dozen cards or so create tokens in some manner. Maybe not a lot of tokens, but they, they do create them. There are a couple of other equipment I could also include Mythic, uh, Commander's Plate, and Seraphic Greatsword, which um, I think they're secondary to these other inclusions. And I have some, I don't think they're going to be replacing any of the other equipment I currently have in the deck. Uh, next up, uh, I have the Paula's Dwarven Vehicles deck. Um, there's only one inclusion from a uh, potential inclusion from Commander Legends. This is Rayav Master Smith uh, for two, red and white, so two mana. It's a Dwarven Artificer for two two with a two two power and toughness. And whenever a creature I control that's enchanted or equipped attacks, that creature gains double strike until end of turn. Unfortunately, I don't really have much equipment or enchantments in uh, my vehicles deck um, since, you know, vehicles kind of take the place of uh, equipment, so to speak. Um, that being said, it is a legendary dwarf who does get buffed by the Pala. So worst case, you know, I could uh, add uh, just have him replace this another uh, dwarf just for, you know, my, my quasi rule of having all legendary, as many legendary creatures as possible. Uh, similarly, Edgar Markov, uh, my uh, vampire deck, has a new edition uh, in Sengir, the B Dark Baron, uh, for four black and black, a vampire noble with four four. Uh, he has flying, and whenever another creature dies, put two plus one plus one counters on Sengir, the Dark Baron. And whenever another player loses the game, I gain life equal to that player's life total as the turn begins. Um, or began with partner. Not relevant, obviously, with, with Markov. Um, you know, I think with my more aggressive play style of just kind of throwing my zombie, my, my vampires in the combat and not really caring if they die. He should get big fairly quickly, um, even though he might be a bit of a removal magnet. He's just, is a bit slow at six mana, but again, as a legendary Vio, I feel I'm kind of obligated to play him in the deck. Another card deck with only one addition is Gishath, uh, Naya Dinosaurs. Um, Annoyed Altasaur is a 5 green and green for a Reach Trample Cascade Dinosaur uh, with power and toughness 6-5. Um, funnily enough, being at 7 mana isn't as great as in, it might be in other decks since many dinosaurs are at 7 mana, at least 11 cards. So, you know, this is a little bit less value. Um, I'll see maybe if there's a you know, less valuable card at lower down in the curve, though obviously I don't want to make my my top end too, um, you know, top heavy. Um, I also think he's a little bit of a non-bow with, with Gisath's ability. I don't believe Gisath, I don't have him in front of me, allows me to cast uh, or uh, cast him. So this wouldn't uh, trigger that. Um, so this actually may be a non-bow potential. I don't know, worth looking into. 
All right. Now, those there's been a bunch of decks I just talked about that don't have a lot of inclusions. Um, as always, Warriors is one of the most common uh, uh, creature types. Uh, and uh, my Nadila Warriors deck, obviously... Uh, which is constantly changing. I haven't quite nailed down what it exactly wants to do. Is it a little bit of trample tribal, a little bit of plus one, plus one counters, a um, little bit of, you know, token making. I'm not in 100% sure where I want to go with, with Nazila. Um, it, it's kind of like a rotating, like uh, I kind of cycle through to whatever newness comes through. Uh, but there are a number of warriors here, um, you know, 11 to- new new warriors in the deck total. Um, you know, about five of them are elf warrior specific um, and, and fit more in the elf deck I'm, I'm planning on talking about later in the episode. But there are a number of other warriors I, I, I can talk about as well. Um, first up, we have Frenzied Saddlevoot, uh, which is 4 in a red for an Orc Warrior, 5-4, Haste. Um, all creatures can attack opponents and the Planeswalkers my opponents control as though those creatures had haste. So, uh, you know, this is pretty nice because it kind of takes the role of my Ogre Battle Driver without the plus 2, plus 0, granted. Um, but it does have the ability of prompting my opponents to take the aggro off of me and fight among themselves instead. Um, let's see, Rograk, Son of Waga, is a, uh, well, he has a color red and a new red, but he actually ca- it can be cast for zero mana. He's a legendary kobold warrior um, with first strike, menace, and trample, as well as partner, though, not relevant. It's a zero one. So, obviously, kobolds are an old magic creature type that are all O1s and red um, for zero mana. Um, granted, you know, Ko- Roga has, you know, uh, like three, uh, you know, three um, uh, keywords, um, but with zero power, you know, not, not really easy to use him. That being said, you know, I it, he might not be an obvious play, but one, I think he triggers a lot of, you know, when Warrior enters the battlefield effects that I happen to have for free, right, which is not nothing. Um, two, I do have a lot of Lord-type effects going on in my deck, um, which could make him actually pretty relevant, especially with all of the extra creature types. Um, and, you know, plus, you know, just look, he's pretty adorable so um anyway next up we have hamza guardian of arasin from uh from tarkir uh for four green and the white he's an elephant warrior five five um he costs one less to cast for each creature i control with a plus one plus one counter on it and creatures i and creature spells i cast cost one less to cast for each creature i control with a plus one plus one counter on it so he doesn't care about how many plus one plus one counters creatures have which is a little bit less good in my deck i only have i think about eight creatures or so that actually get plus one plus one counters they don't grant them to other creatures they only have them uh, themselves and they kind of grow tall. So Helms is not as, as the best uh, warrior in the deck. But if I kind of sift the deck over time to be a little bit more searing the love with plus one plus one counters, um, who knows? He could be a, a, a inclusion then. Uh, Jared Carthalion, True Hair, is a Naya commander, red, green, and white, human warrior for 3 3. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, uh, target opponent becomes the monarch, um, which is interesting instead of granting it to yourself, and I can't become monarch this turn. Um, so, you know, he's giving up the monarchy, which could be a nice political play, potentially. Um, and the other part is that if damage would be dealt to him while I'm the monarch, uh, I prevent that damage and put that many plus one, plus one counters on him. So, you know, one... I don't want again. I don't want to play too many monarch cards outside of the monarch deck. But the fact that he's not giving me monarch and giving someone else monarch is pretty interesting. Especially since Nagila tends to draw a lot of aggro for being Nagila. Um, giving somebody else monarch, you know, and having the other people be aggro against him or that other player would be a pretty nice. Sneaky play, um, I think. Um, the other part is that you know he does. If I do go with plus, more plus one plus one counters, he kind of fits into there. Um, 
And then, you know, as a legendary warrior, almost arguably the legendary warrior, just kind of based on how he looks, I just got to include him, you know? Um, let's see. Tuya Bearclaw is one red and a green for a human warrior legendary creature. Uh, when 2-2, two, two, whenever it attacks, it gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the greatest power among other creatures I control. Now, I he could get super, super big, which somehow would, would just how big some of the other warriors in the deck get. That being said, I actually have a reserve for a slot in my rarely updated Teamer slash Atarker Clan Tribal deck, um, which I kind of, you know, I, I started playing in Kanta Tarkir block or Fate Reforged, technically, I guess. Um, and I did get a lot of cards from, from Khans and, and obviously Dragons of Tarkir. I just fell in love with the Teamer clan um, and, and the Tarka clan. So, you know, these are, uh, I, I made a deck kind of more flavorfully around. It's not the most powerful deck, but, you know, it's very rare for this deck to get an update since it's all about, about flavor. And Tuya Biroclaw is part of that clan canonically. So um, she's got a slot right in there. Um, and then finally, Wyatt's Soul of the Steel uh, is the pre-con commander from the red-white deck. I'm not going to read this rules deck because uh, it's mostly about uh, ours and equipment, which this deck doesn't have. So not really relevant for this deck. All right, next up, we have my signature deck, uh, Omnath, Locus of Rage, Hydra Tribal. Um, there are only two Hydras in the set. Unfortunately, one of them, the arguably cooler one, uh, doesn't quite fit. It's a bit of a non-bow. Apex Devastator is 8 green and green for a Chimera Hydra with Cascade. Cascade, Cascade, Cascade. That's right, four Cascades on a 10-10 body. Now, in my Hydra Tribal deck, unfortunately, the way Cascade works with that is that if I Cascade into a creature with uh, an X in the mana cost, X will be considered zero, which basically means that most of my X cost Hydras will just come in as zero zeros and die immediately, which doesn't really, not really what I, what I want to be doing. So unfortunately, Apex Devastator is not going to be going in the deck. Now, Stump, Stump Squall Hydra, on the other hand, from the blue-green pre-con deck, it's X green, green, green uh, for Hydra 1-1. One, one. Um, when it enters the battlefield, I distribute X plus one plus one counters among it and any number of commanders. Uh, so it can either become, you know, for, you know, seven mana of 4-4, four, four, which isn't a great trade, or it can make uh, Omnath just really, really big, um, which isn't nothing, right? Um, you know, especially if I want to, you know, uh, you know, keep him out of range of, of maybe like a blasphemous act potentially if I know it once once lurking around. Um, now, Stump Squall Hydra, you know, is just going to slot in there. Pretty classic Hydra, so you know, not really much more to say there. Um, I also got to mention, you know, uh, this Mythic Sorcery in Green Reshape the Earth for six Green Green Green. Uh, I can search my library for up to ten lands ca land cards, put them on the battlefield, tapped, and shuffle my library. Um, which with Omnath's ability to create a lot of elementals on the board uh, whenever a land and the battlefield is just kind of nuts. Um, also, side note, Reshape the Earth, I think, you know, I'll talk about it now since I'm talking about it, uh, could potentially also go into an eventual Gates deck, um, that my my al my uh, General Tazri allied deck, Gates deck. The reason I didn't mention it uh, in that deck, in that deck is I'm, I'm currently in the process of reworking my allied Gates deck um, at the moment. So it might move out of General Tazri, but we'll see. Reshape the Earth could potentially be a win con uh, for the Gates deck. Moving on, uh, we have my Sea Monsters deck, which is, you know, uh, Krakens and Octopi and Serpents and um, I think Squids. Um, and, and and yeah, the, the really big Sea Monster creatures in blue-green. Um, the pre-con deck gives us AC, Tyrant of Gyro Strait, which is four green and a blue, Serpent, Legendary Serpent. I made additional land this turn, which is, you know, on each of my turns, which is relevant because, you know, I need to ramp into my big uh, Sea Monsters. And whenever a land enters the battlefield under my control, I can draw a card. Um... And it's a five-five, so you know, pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty nice to uh, be able to get to ramp into my bigger, um, um, 
uh, sea creatures. Um, the pre-contact also has Trenchbearmoth, which is a 5 blue blue, so 7 mana for a Kraken, 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, whenever a land controlled... Um, I can return a land I control, I control to its owner's hand and untap it to gain Hexproof until end of turn. And whenever a land enters the battlefield under my control, target creature and opponent controls attacks during its combat, next combat controls next combat phases if, if able. Now, with my big board of, of sea creatures, um, Trent's Bearmouth, uh, you know, they're not going to be attacking into me, most likely. So I think that's pretty pretty good. Um, in the main set, we also have Vineland, the Moon Kraken, which is a legendary Kraken for 6 blue and blue, or 6-8. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield or I cast a spell with converted mana cost 6 or greater, I may return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So, um, you know, I think I, I did. I, I counted, I think at least a quarter of the cards in my deck would benefit from this ability. Um, so I think Vineland is a pretty, pretty nice included, even if it does keep the, the curve relatively high. Um, I am considering an exception to the deck for Apex Devastator, which I just talked about in the Hydra deck. Um, you know, as an honorary sea monster, I mean, Chimera, I guess, could fit in there. Um, I'm a 10 10 that spits out four big sea creatures, or Cure is just too good to pass up on, you know. Um, my other sea creatures deck, uh, which is focused more on tribes outside of that batch of big sea creatures, may have its new commander in Gore Murdak. Um, Gore Murdak, uh, Amphenologist, is a one green and blue human scout for uh, three two with a three two and. Myself and permanents I control have protection from salamanders. So beginning of my end step, uh, each player at, uh, who controls uh, the fewest creatures creates a 4-3 blue salamander warrior creature token. Now, salamanders are were introduced a couple sets ago, or uh, several core sets ago, uh, on what was supposed to be Sandalar, there's supposed to be a potential uh, blue, uh, blue mid-sized creature. So you know, not quite the small, small creatures, but not quite the big sea creatures. You know, somewhere in like the four mana range or so. Um, you know, and that kind of describes this deck to a T. You know, it's not quite the big, big, big stuff. So it's mostly the stuff smaller. Now, um, it only seems fitting. And granted, salamanders didn't really stick around, but um, there are other salamanders in the set uh, with Amphen Mutineer, uh, you know, which I talked about in the pirate deck potentially. Um, Gore Mordak also being a kind of like a Steve Irwin type character seems pretty fitting for the deck uh, with this wide variety of, of miscellaneous sea creatures. Um, even if he mostly focuses on salamanders. But, you know, this does allow me to get other Simic Beasties that have green uh, into the deck. All right. Uh, next up, we have Knight and Equipment Tribal. Um, I'm currently working this. I'm not quite sure the direction I want to go. I made this end up being two decks. Um, I might split between uh, one that's like kind of a go-wide Knight's Tribal deck, the other being kind of an Equipment Voltron deck that goes a little bit tall on one creature. I'm not quite sure yet uh, who the commander is going to be on e either of those, but most likely going to be Mardu. Um, now, you know, uh, on the Equipment side of things, you know, Arden, Intrepid Archaeologist, um, you know, he's a uh, two in a red, two in a white, sorry, for a legendary core scout 2-2 two, two. Um, at a medium combat on my turn I may attach any number of hours and equipment I control to target permanent or player um, Arden could also fit into a potential uh, um, Nahiri uh, Oathbreaker deck I, I, I might be working on um, you know with the equipment sub theme but in any case um, you know that, that that's a potential one for a, a equipment tribal deck um Let's see. Uh, I already talked about, uh, and then you know, I, I mentioned in briefly passing commander's plate uh, for one mana equipment. Equipment uh, equip creature gets plus three plus three protections from each color that's not in my commander's color identity. Um, equip commander three or equip five that could go in the deck as well as well as, as, well as seraphic greatsword. Uh, one in the white for a equipment 
creature gets plus two plus two, equip four, and whenever a equipped creature attacks, they put it with the most life uh, or tied for most life. I create a four four white angel creature token uh, with fly that's tapped and attacking that player. So um, those could potentially fit in the deck. Um, there's also meteoric mace uh, from the precon deck, which is four red and red. Um, oh, sorry, it's in the main set also. Four red and red for an equipment. It gets plus four, plus O, oh, and trample, equip four, and it also cascades. Um, so, you know, that could be a pencil one. Um, I already talked about uh, Wyleth, uh, Soul of Steel, uh, in the Warrior deck, the one red and white human warrior, trample, 2-2, uh, when it attacks, draw a card for each or an equipment attached to it, as well as his uh, seemingly signature equipment, Blazing Sunsteel, one in the red, for equip four, uh, equipment, equipped creatures get plus one, plus oh for each opponent I have, and then whenever a quick creature is dealt damage, it deals damage damage to any target. Um, Rayav, Master Smith from the Dwarves deck, could potentially fit in here as well, um, as well well as Togo, Goblin Weaponsmith, 2 in a red for a Goblin Artificer, 2-2. Uh, Whenever land ends the battlefield on my control, it create a colorless equipment artifact token named Rock, uh, that basically the opponent can throw the rock for one mana uh, to deal two damage to any uh, target. Um, Togo could be a potential, uh, you know, make, uh, kind of a factory for, for um, uh, 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 equipment, so to speak. Now, you know, as I mentioned, I am in the process of uh, reworking my uh, Monarch deck. It previously was in Mardu colors, led by Queen Marchesa, Long Macy Rain, of course. Um, but, you know, with I haven't gotten around to actually putting it together, but Kenrith, uh, the Return King, who is the uh, Biobox promo from, um, from Eldraine, um, is the perfect five-color commander for uh, Monarch, just because he is able to give me access to, you know, all five colors uh, of Monarch cards, um, which there were a number, you know, of course, in the original uh, conspiracy sets where Monarch was premiered. Um, that being said, you know that that works here because there are you know each color does have I believe at least two cards uh, in the colors um, getting uh, granting Monarch. Um, uh, primary uh, pri half of which are um, you know courts, which are a cycle of rare courts: uh, court of court of ambition uh, in black, court of bounty in green, court of cunning in blue, court of grace in white, and court of ire in red. I'm not going to read what they all do, but more or less they grant monarchy, and then at the, and at the beginning of my upkeep, they give a benefit, um, which becomes bigger if you happen to be monarch at the beginning of your upkeep, um, which usually uh, that that. Um, that, you know, it's some some are better than others. Um, in you know, for example, uh, Court of Grace creates a bigger cre a flying evasive creatures uh, to try to get the monarchy back, um, so to speak. And you know, Court of Bounty, if your monarch uh, puts uh, you know creature land card onto from the hand onto the battlefield um, to help protect you from uh, you know potential pe people trying to steal the monarchy. Uh, but there are others. You know, there's Ar Archon of Coronation uh, in white uh, mythic to you know make that makes you the monarch. Um, you know, I already talked about the two pirates uh, at common uh, that grant that grant monarchy. Um, uh, let's see, Donglade Regent is an elk. Love the elks. Um, who uh, you know. If you're the monarch creature, permanents I control have hexproof, um, and then fall from paper, which is a uh, sometimes on, sometimes off, uh, you know, or that that uh, taps the, um, that keeps the uh, creatures tapped down if you are the monarch, um, and then feast of succession, uh, which is a wrath that gives you the monarchy, um, you know. 
you know, I, I kind of find it kind of funny that Goblin Regent as an elk uh, kind of matches along with uh, Kenrith uh, Return King's story of, of turning into an elk. But anyway, um, I am looking, at, like I said, I am looking to uh, build this monarch, five color monarch deck, uh, along with, you know, the voting cards from Conspiracy as well, kind of like a, a super political deck, uh, so to speak. Um, I gotta be careful though, I'm also trying to include some alt win conditions, uh, which is Happily Ever After from Eldraine, um, Rise of the Second Sun from Amonkhet, um, what was it? Azores, uh, Locateurs from Ravnica, um, and you know also the Gates. Uh, I, I mentioned I was trying to move them into this deck as well. Um, so yeah, I might want to include them there. Sidebar, I was actually originally thinking about adding the Shrines from Core 21 into this deck as well. Uh, but on and in retrospect, I think I might be putting them into the uh, my God Tribal deck, which doesn't get any additions here. Uh, but you know, Shrines are pretty divine, aren't they? I think they could be better than like the Omens and the uh, and the um, and the cartouches and so on. Um, anyway, beyond that, you know, there are a lot of decks uh, that I haven't quite built yet, like the Monarch deck, um, that Commander's Legend is inspiring me to build. I already had the idea for the Monarch deck, but I got a new idea for a couple other new decks. Um, one in particular I really want to focus on uh, is Black-Green Elves. So in Commander Legends, there are five cards that could potentially be at the helm of this Black-Green Legends deck. Um, first up, we have the Uncommon Black-Green uh, legendary creature, Abomination of Llanowar, one black and green for an elf horror, Vigilance Menace, uh, with, you know, star, star, power, and toughness, which so is equal to the number of elves I control, plus the number of elves in my graveyard. So at least one if he's on the field, um, but potentially more if, if stuff goes to the yard. Um... So there's that. Now, there are a couple of partners as well. Um, on green, we have Gilarner, uh, Caller of Wirewood, which is two and a green for an elf druid. Uh, tap green, so it essentially is a dork um, that if I spend the mana to cast a spell with CMC 6 or greater, um, I draw a card, and of course, partner. It's a 1-2. Not super relevant, I think, in elves because most of the, my, most spells I want to be casting are, are less than 6 CMC. Um, and then the other green partner is uh, Numa, Joraga Chieftain. For two and a green, um, Elf Warrior, at the beginning of combat on my turn, I may pay XX. If I do, distribute X plus one plus one counters among any number of target elves, 2-2. Two, two. Um, with Elves' ability to make lots of mana, I think this could you know be really, really big uh, for values of X. Um, so... I, if, if there was a part, I think I would go with him as the potential green partner. Um, and on the black side of things, we have Miara, uh, Thorn of the Glade for one in the black elf scout, one, two. And whenever it or another elf I control dies, I may pay one and and one life. Um, if I do, I draw a card. So a little bit more of an aristocrat or elf aristocrats, uh, if you will, um, kind of play, way of playing, especially, you know, if I make lots of tokens, then they all die. I can kind of, you know, put my extra mana uh, that I didn't distribute into, uh, you know, plus one, plus one counters into uh, making, uh, drawing through my deck. Um, and then we also have Nadir, uh, Nadir uh, Agent of the Duskanel for five in the black, so, you know, super high expensive uh, uh Elf. Um, elf Warrior 3 3. Whenever a token I control leaves the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on Nadir, uh, Agent of the Duskanel. Uh, when it leaves the battlefield, create a number of plus one plus of one one green elf warrior creature tokens equal to its power. So this one definitely leans a lot more on the uh, elf. Um, Elf creature token uh, sub theme, you know, uh, because it, it, his his secondary ability comes from uh, having uh, elf tokens die, uh, or tokens in general die. So I think I might lean more toward Miara, so to speak, uh, as well as uh, uh, combining with Numa. Um, anyway, um, 
you know, now as with pirates, uh, Commander Legends does have elves as a limited archetype uh, in black green. So there are a number of new toys uh, for the color pair that, you know, as well as a lot of reprints. Um, some of the new cards that stand out specifically um, are uh, Elvis Dreadlord, uh, which is a zombie elf for three black black with Encore for five black black. Whenever it dies, non-elf creatures get put minus three, minus three end of turn. Um, and so it ends up dying, right? And there are three of them because I Encored him out. That's minus, minus nine, minus nine to all non-elves, which can be pretty devastating. Take out most things. Um, of course, Hutmaster is three in the black for a elf warrior four two. That when it dies, create a one one green elf warrior creature token. Um, and I can encore for four in the black. So you know, makes more elves. Um, and then you know, I buy colors four in the black. Whenever it dies, create three uh, one one green elf warrior creature tokens again. Three uh, to three three. Um, and let's see, Fight of the Prefect Perfect is three in a black for a enchantment that gives elves plus two plus zero. Oh. Um, and of course, there were a bunch of other you know reprint elves: uh, Eyeblight Massacre, Farhaven Elf, Guiltleaf Winnower, Immaculate Magistrate, Imperious per- Perfect, and Lise Alana Bowmaster. Now, you know, a quick and dirty scryfall search suggests that there are about 60-ish cards in black and green that care specifically about elves in their rules text, not to mention just elves that are just good in general. Um, and then there are 25 specific legendary elves in black and green with some degree of overlap. So there's definitely enough here for a deck in these colors that went that way. If I, the way I tend to build commander decks without caring about, you know, the general things like card draw, interaction, yada, 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 ramp, yada, 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 like just focusing on the theme 100%, I think I could definitely pull this enough. Now, I would be giving up the potential in white uh, by going with a uh, green-black color pair. Um, Now, those white elves are mostly from Ravnica and Selesnya, but looking at the cards of available uh, white uh, white, uh, elves, there's not that many that are actually that impressive to me. you know, I mean, like, Armored Wolfrider is an Elf Knight 4-6 for 3 green and white, right? Which is, like, not super impressive. Um, I think the biggest one that I'm missing uh, would be Rhys the Redeemed. Um, this is the, uh, you know, kind of super aggro token uh, commander uh, who is, you know, for hybrid green and white mana. Um, he's an 1-1 Elf Warrior for 2 green and white. I can tap him, create a 1-1 white green and white elf creature token, uh, elf warrior creature token, and then for six mana, uh, four uh, Celestia, Celestia hybrid, I can tap it and essentially double the number of creature tokens I have. Um, so yeah, he can get out of hand really quickly. I opened the, I actually opened one up uh, in Mystery Boosters uh, back when we still could do go to GPs and so on. Um, but uh, wrist, uh, obviously I, would, I wouldn't be able to play him in a green-black deck. Um, I would also be giving up uh, uh, Emera Tandis and Emera Soul of the Accord, who are the legendary elves from um, from the Selesnya Concave on Ravnica. Um, and I believe Tulsimir, uh, Wolf's, uh, Wolf's Blood, and Tulsimir, Friend to Wolves, wouldn't be able to get in the deck, though they're already in my Good Boris uh, deck, so I don't think that's uh, much, much, uh, much lost there. Um, that said, I could potentially go abs and elves, right? With Kethis the Hidden Hand uh, for white, green, and the black, uh, elf advisor, three, four. Now, interestingly, legendary spells would cost one less with him, which I have. I always try to put a lot of legendary creatures in here. So that could potentially fit. I can exile two legendary creatures from my graveyard to give legendary creatures the ability to cast them from the graveyard. Um, so Kethis would be, you know, a nice way to get, uh, you know, important legendary creatures that die back uh, to the field. So we'll see uh, if Kethis, uh, if I end up going absent or, or strictly uh, black-green. Um, I actually do have a black-green elves deck. I, I believe I made back in uh, Magic Origins, kind of like a battle box deck. Um, so yeah, um, 
other than that, you know, there are a couple of quick highlights, uh, you know, of of things I want to include. Of, of, you know, include in 99 of other decks or maybe even lead their own decks. Um, I'm going to read the full uh, rules text, but just, you know, a quick highlight. Um, in my Azul Tribal deck, obviously, Akoma, Radiant, Liesa. Uh, Liesa, if I go um, full Abzan, um, would be able to be included. Uh, you know, it would be uh, what I could build here. Um since the legendary angels that would obviously want to be slotted in there, um, Elgeth, which is uh, that that Sphinx that turns uh, scrying into draw. Um, you know, I think he would go into a Sphinx. Obviously, the Sphinx tribal deck. Um, Sakasima the Imposter, which is the blue mythic partner. I'm not quite sure what I want to do with him, but I know there's something interesting there. Um, since there's, he has a good number of cards to him already, maybe a clone tribal deck that might be potentially pretty interesting to do. Um, just like kind of like a flavorful commander. Um, let's see, Siani, uh, the djinn that cares about flying creatures, um, would be uh, potentially, you know, obviously within the 9-9 of a, a blue-white flyers tribal deck, um, uh, which Kengi, right, the uncommon Azorius creature, could potentially be leading or also in the 9-9 of. Um, Clark, uh, the goblin, finally gets his own card. Uh, coin flip tribal deck for sure, um, even though, you know, maybe he's, he's more a spell slinger than, than strictly coin, coin flipping. Um, and, and worse, you know, any deck he, I, I, I think even just like if I include him, say in like a in a blue red coin flipping deck, um, you know, led by Zinder Split and, and whatever his partner is from uh, from uh, Battle Bond, um, you know, throwing Clark in there just for flavor is just definitely definitely good to, to throw in there. Um, I'm interested in Ik to Kick about how to do a Golem Tribal. Um, looking at the Golems online, I think I. Obvi- obviously, most natural Golems, right, are. Uh, are colorless, but you know there are golems uh, in a lot in white. Um, there are a couple uh, in blue. Um, not really many in red, right? I think um, Hammer Porphos makes some, and Tuck Tuck technically makes some. Um, and obviously, a lot in, in green. So you know, if I if I include exclude red, maybe like a Bant Golems uh, tribal deck potentially could be potentially interesting. Though red, you know, you also would lose on an Obas. Um, but that could be like a potentially interesting interesting one. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't. I could not slot them into uh, Brea and, and make Brea add another uh, kind of uh, cl- a class of uh, artifact creatures in there, just because uh, you know Ikta Kick obviously is a green, and, and Brea doesn't have that. Um, Slurk, um, you know, goes into the Ooze Tribal as does this that uh, new rare that kind of like you know continually splits um, and, and makes more and more Ooze and kind of grows uncontrollably. Um, let's see, uh, Amareth, uh is the banned legendary dragon, kind of slots into obviously five color legendary dragons. Um, Averna kind of slots into a general teamer cascade slash elemental deck. Definitely wanting to be including cascade in that deck, so probably like Maelstrom Wanderer. Um, let's see, Gen, which is a Mardu and Sand. Enchanter uh, um, probably would be a good curse tribal deck. I think most of the best curses are uh, in white and black and red. Um, green n- green curses I don't think were super hot, and and I think the blue curses were a little bit lackluster. Um, let's see, Anara, which is a the fami- one, one of the familiars, uh, could potentially flit uh, slot into a uh, um, you know a wolf uh, tribal deck um, whenever it ends up getting built. Which you know, speaking of Elena and Hall, uh, which are the um, the, the, the pair from Innistrad, the story of Innistrad, um, who got, finally got their own cards as a, a partner again. Unfortunately, can't partner with each other. Um, those could be a good substitute for a werewolf tribal deck, um, given that werewolves tend to be pretty big and 
um, or it could be like another fight tribal deck. You know, I'm not I'm not quite sure. They would be an interesting one. And obviously, we are getting next year uh, Innistrad werewolves. Um, so hopefully, we get the legendary werewolf we're looking for there. But um, Elena and Hall could be a you know maybe a, a, a fight club uh, commander um, instead of the one from uh, Jumpstart. Um, and let's see, were there any else that I was missing? I think that's pretty much it. Um, so anyway, that's my first impressions on what I want to build and slotted my decks from Commander Legends. Uh, definitely looking to seeing this set. Um, in fact, I'm hoping to actually potentially do a Commander Legends sealed league um, with some friends online. Let me know if you're interested. Uh, you can do that at Twitter at EtherVortexPod. And also, while you're there, you know, let me know what you think of Commander Legends. You know, which decks are you most excited to build? Uh, which cards are you looking to slot in the decks you've already you already have? And have I missed any cards in specific that? I should be including in any of the decks I talked about. Um, anyway, you can do that, as I said, on Twitter or via email at intothetethervortex at gmail.com. You can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can leave a review on any of those podcast stores or on podchaser.com. Links, as always, in the show notes. Uh, my architect with all of my deck lists uh, that I talked about in this episode is linked uh, in the show notes as well under the username, under the username Ninjaboy, boy with an I. Um, I occasionally stream Magic Arena um, at Ninjaboy333 on Twitch. Um, the intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. We cast this pod every second and fourth Fridays of the month is, assuming I do so on time and don't get distracted by Caldas. We master drafts. Um, until then, though, uh, until the next episode, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. Uh, past turn. Mm-hmm.